Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on TheBoxingRant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 66 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and back with me for episode 66, my partner in crime, Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Good to be back. Absolutely, man. It is the dull days of boxing, but we'll try to keep you busy here with episode 66 as we dive into the most current top 10 pound-for-pound boxers in the world as rated by Vin and I here at theboxingrant.com. Well, we had a little bit of action this weekend. We had Showbox the Next Generation on Friday evening. And then last night, a really unexpected gift from HBO Latino as Yoandres Salinas and Manuel Avila did the deal and Tevin Farmer looking good against Dallas Prescott. So, uh, Vin, what do you think about the Ukrainian invasion on showbox the next generation yeah man they are pushing them fighters big time aren't they absolutely man um Yevgen Kitrov, we've been familiarized with him previously and um you know his last fight was a bit pedestrian and then in this one against nick brinson you know a journeyman but a journeyman that coming into this fight had lost two out of his last three yep steps in against Kitrov. we think that this is just going to be murderer's row that Kitrov is going to show us his power and in bizarre, bizarre happenings, Brinson comes out and steals the first half of the fight. Yeah, I, I really couldn't believe that he was able to do that. We, you know, you kind of hold Kicherov, or you want to anyways, to a higher standard. But I think after these last couple fights, man, you just got to be seriously questioning uh, where exactly is Kicherov's career heading. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, Boxing Scene had published an article with an interview with him, and he was kind of like, I don't really want to like go into the comparisons with Golovkin. I, I, look, outside of maybe some old Soviet ties here yeah. from... What? <laughs> yeah, th- these two aren't even in the same stratosphere. No, come on now. You know, Kitrov is a really good prospect, and at age 26, he's got a bright future. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, man, you cannot come out in a fight that you're supposed to dominate against Nick Brinson and not throw punches. Yeah, I don't know if something's stale in camp and, and preparing for these fights. I don't know what they got. They got to change something up with this kid. They have to do something. The next step up in competition uh, is not going to be good for him, uh, just based on last night's fight and the fight before. You got to question, you know, once he steps into the top 10, how's he going to fare? Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, they may as well slow roll this kid and keep, yeah. and keep putting him on these showbox cards, which is fine, but he's got to get back to what he does. And the way that he closed this fight is what he should have been doing from the onset. Yeah. And instead, he lets Nick Brinson, a guy that has very little power whatsoever, establish himself as the ring general. 
It's like he was confused, like he had something in his eyes or something. Yeah, I, I don't understand why he doesn't realize that, too. Dude, you, th- that's your style. That's how you fight. That's how you're going to win. Don't don't go in there and be tentative. And that's what we've seen from him in the last two fights. It's like he's questioning himself in the ring, and, and that's not a good thing. No, it's not. And he just can't do that. I no. mean, that's just, you know, that's just all there is to it. But let's go ahead and, uh, you know, Keytroff did the deal. You know, he, he ends up stopping Brinson late and kind of a questionable stoppage. Brinson went to a knee. It looked like a veteran move to me. Yeah. Um, had that fight gone to the scorecard, Brinson wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, I, I really don't understand why you, you got a veteran fighter who takes a knee and there's 30 seconds left in a fight, in a fight that as a referee you have to know he's either winning or it's very close. You, you want to let that fight come to a close on its own. You don't want to do that yourself with 30 seconds left, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. It was a little suspicious to me, but then again, anytime you watch a showbox fight, you have the announcers that are basically telling you how this thing is going to go right. f- from the very onset of the fight. I'm sorry, man. Um, these guys were way off because I had Brinson easily taking the first four rounds. I didn't even think they were close. Oh yeah. They, they're always pushing the agenda. The, the, this, you know, Al Heyman agenda, basically. Yeah, the A-side, A-sides for life. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get to this main event. Um, Sergey Derevchenko against Elvin Ayala in a 10-rounder, um, another middleweight fight. Your thoughts on Derevchenko? Uh, I think he's, you know, only six fights here in the States, and we know he, he had quite a few, maybe 20-plus fights in, in the World Series of Boxing before he came here. You can tell he's, he's polished. He, he's a very, very solid fighter. Very good skill set. I could see him you know, making some noise in the division and being a serious contender. Oh, for sure. He's got great footwork. Yeah. Um, he, he actually reminded me of, eh, you know, a middleweight version of Vasily Lomachenko, mm-hmm. the way that he moved and pivoted around the target. Um, again, his footwork, punch placement. You could tell the amateur pedigree was there for days. Yep. Um, and it was an impressive performance, no doubt. So uh, it'd be interesting to see where uh, the future takes Dariyevchenko. I think he's he's on a well, far more accelerated path than than Kicherov is going to be after last night. Right. Well, I think anybody with a with a boxing IQ can tell that Kicherov is a work in progress. For sure. Um, you know, and sometimes let's be honest. I mean, we know that the Ukrainian, Soviet, the Eastern European, uh, Western Asian uh, fight scene they're they're pumping out fighters with decorated amateur backgrounds, and some of the amateur uh, foundations, the pedigree, it transfers into the pro, gra- pro game just fine. But sometimes there is a loss in translation Oh yeah, between the amateur uh, ranks and the professional ranks, and some guys just can't make the transition. Yeah, a, a professional fight goes a lot different than an amateur fight. There's a, a, there's a major, major difference in, in how it's going to play out. Yeah, and, and if you're, you know, some guys have that professional style in the amateurs that you know when they when they're ready to turn pro, bam, they're good to go. They're they're, they're going to be able to handle business. And then you got guys like Kicherov who they've got to kind of slowly work their way into the pro game. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, what did you think about that opening fight between Regis Progre and Amos Coart? And Progre throws some punches, doesn't he? 909 punches in eight rounds. That's fucking believable, man. I tell you what, that was an exciting fight to it watch, was, man. It was. It was action-packed. Uh, not a bad Friday night worth of fights by Showbox. Showbox has been doing some pretty good shows recently. 
um, it's nice to kind of get back to the foundation of boxing. Right. You know, the Sh- developmental fights that actually mean something. Yeah, that, that's what Showbox is there for. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see guys cherry picking, you know, that should be stepping up and, and be on bigger fight cards and bigger shows. I want to see prospects, and that's, that's what they gave us. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, then last night on HBO Latino, oh, uh, man, Steve Kim tweeted out, tonight's card on HBO Latino is going to deliver uh, some really, really good action. And I was like, eh, yeah, I'm sure it will, whatever. You know, just kind of casual Saturday night. I'm getting ready for the show today. Right. Uh, writing an article uh, for theboxingrant.com. And sure enough, man, it just comes right out of the gate. And Tevin Farmer, he's an interesting fighter because he's so unbelievably athletic and strong. Yeah. Man, is he sloppy sometimes, though. Yeah, and I mean, the record the record shows you that. He's, you know, for a guy that's, He's got a what twenty and four record, I think it is now. He, he he didn't fight like a guy that has four losses last night. He looked really good at times. He looked like his timing was really good. He's got good quickness, good athleticism, like you said. But yeah, there's definitely some uh, some flaws to his game. But I, I was impressed, definitely. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, Johan Perez versus Dmitry Mikolenko. Uh, any thoughts on that fight? Uh, I was a, another very good scrap. I think. Uh, Mikolenko kind of reminds me of a uh, of a welterweight version of of Yevgeny Gradovich. I mean, he would just, you know, he he was landing big shots and they weren't, you know, your one punch thudding shots that are going to take you down. But he just kind of just slowly grinded him down and and basically he didn't even knock him down. Really, he just gave up. He couldn't take any more punishment. Yeah, it was a it was a brutal fight, man. It was. It really was. And then the Salinas Avila fight. There were moments early in that fight and those first three or four rounds where those two look like two freaking maniacs just going ape shit. They did, man. That was a crazy fight. That was wild. Yeah, it, it really was. And then you just see the disappointment in Salinas's face after the fight. I mean, he was just like, gosh, I put it all out there. And I guess he broke his hand. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's what it looked like. And he's had some tough breaks, man. I mean, he had a, uh, he took uh who did he take the distance that he almost won? God, I, I can't forget. I, can't remember it was in uh it was in england i'm looking it up right now um yeah let's see here he had a fight uh scott quigg yeah he took quigg the distance and and in a very very close fight this you know he's been ready to kind of break through and every time he kind of gets to that point it's something happens he, he just can't get over the hump yeah i mean you know that's that's quigg's draw right there oh yeah you know that's the the outlier on an otherwise uh well-rounded record you know and i think that speaks to you know that fight was two years ago right right um and a lot has happened since the trajectories of fighters changed so much but yeah tough break after tough break for a guy who's game to fight um i give him a lot of credit you, you could see his experience shown through in the uh, the moments in the fight where Salinas was hurt, I mean, he, he grabbed Avila at the right times. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and he was in survival mode. But all in all, a great card from HBO Latino. And surprisingly, considering, you know, where we are in the boxing season and in the boxing schedule, a uh, just a, a, a pretty good weekend of fights, man. Yeah, I got no complaints on any of those fights. They were all very entertaining. All right, man. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you again for tuning in to episode 66 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Drop us a line, podcast at theboxingrant.com. Vin and I are experimenting right now on Periscope. Never used the app before, but I've watched some other uh, entrepreneur shows on there. 
um, and, uh, and, and some shows on Periscope, and it, it seems like a really cool platform, so we're trying it out. Um, I know it probably sounds like shit because we don't have a microphone hooked up to the phone, but last minute, you know, why not shoot a little bit of video since we want to transition things into the video realm at some time. So look for us on Periscope, and maybe one day we'll get it right. Um, good, good thing I shaved today, man. You I, didn't tell I, me I looked like a friggin' gorilla at nine thirty this morning. I'm glad you. I'm glad you shaved too. I mean, camera or no camera, I still got to look at you for for three hours. <laughs> uh, drop by theboxingrant.com for all the archived episodes of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, the Tale of the Tape. And again, thanks for tuning in to the show. So let's get down to business to the main event of episode 66 and we're going to go ahead and give the updated pound for pound rankings here at the boxing and uh you know what i was uh i was kind of scanning through the top 10 rankings and it was pretty funny to me then i wrote this little blurb on on the homepage of the website and i totally forgot that i had wrote it but I, you know listening to other boxing podcasts people have their opinions about pound for pound lists right and you know how i feel about them i think they're all it's just fun it, yeah. you know i mean if you can't have fun in this sport i mean come on yeah come on it, yeah, it's just it's just for debate and, and good good debate now nobody's going to get mad about it it's, it's fun exactly what you said that's all it's there for yeah so all of you out there listening to episode 66 and our pound for pound special here let us know what you think of the top 10. If you, if you agree or disagree, drop us a line, podcast at theboxingrant.com, or you can shoot it out with Vin on Twitter, at VinceCummings81, and you can hit me up on Twitter, at Kenny Keith Jr. We want to hear uh, your input. But I wrote this little blurb. I said, our pound-for-pound rankings are dedicated to the grumpy boxing writers of the world who think the concept of ranking fighters from different weight classes together is an exercise in stupidity. Trust us. Asking Bob Arum the same question and expecting him to tell you the truth is far more ridiculous than this bit of fun. <laughs> Cheer up, perfect, fellas. Perfect, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and kick this thing off, and we will start with the number 10 ranked fighter on the BoxingRant.com's pound-for-pound list. And we'll begin with a 27-year-old fighter who is now visiting the 140 pound division and in his last fight picked up the wbo world junior welterweight championship standing at five foot eight with a 70 inch reach you guys know him as bud terrence crawford from omaha nebraska enters the pound for pound list at number 10 what do you think ben i mean i think that's a good spot for him i will say this following a 2013 that was off the charts good for him dynamite He's sitting at that ten spot right now, and you got to think after Delorme, which is a you know not an easy fight by any means. No, no. And he made him look pedestrian. Yes, but we need to see more. I mean, these fights we're getting from him. I understand they want to pack arenas in Omaha, and it, and it creates a great atmosphere on TV. And and his his fights are just you know they're kind of taking on a a an event type of type of feel when they right. when they're there. He's got he's got some work to do to remain on that list, man. I mean, I want to see him fighting the best. I don't want to see him tiptoeing around in a 140-pound division. No, I mean, there's plenty of names there. Yeah. Right? And maybe they're just, I don't know, staying steady, holding the course right. um, for a potential clash with uh, Manny Pacquiao, which has been rumored mm-hmm. um, over and over and over again. And we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, there's been a lot of questions as to where – has Bud Crawford been? 
what has he been doing? Why did he take the Adonis Stevenson route and go from a fighter of the year campaign into this, where he's only fought once so far this year, and he's only going to be fighting twice this year. And what it boils down to, it was his decision. Yeah. He decided to take the, the, you know, the summer, visit Africa, do some charity work, relax. He has been grinding away at this sport and has been highly active for a really long time. So, you know, to each his own, it's his prerogative. Right. But I, I agree. Bob Arum has got to be like, man, we should we got to capitalize off of this momentum. You would, and you would think he would want to, too. And I know he's making more money now. So, obviously, once, you've, once you start making more money, you go, you know what? you got to work less. Um, I'm going to take a little bit more time off, Bob. I, I got some money to spend here. I'm good. Yeah, I agree with you, though. Um, there's no denying that Terrence Crawford is a top 10 pound-for-pound talent. No. But his resume um, and his 2015 so far does have him teetering because there are – fighters that inch behind him right. that are putting on, uh, you know, just more competitive schedules. And I agree with you. The Delorme fight, Delorme is a tough out for anybody. Mm-hmm. He's a big fighter for the division. Um, he's a really, really slick fighter. He punches downhill with a long reach. And, you know, Crawford put on a, a, a just a wizardry of, of a performance against Delorme. So hopefully, you know, I don't mind seeing the Dirijan fight which is rumored to be next for Crawford, whether or not that's the best thing for his career right. is highly debatable at this point. But I think it's just a waiting game. But regardless of the situation that Bud Crawford finds himself in now, Terrence Crawford is your number 10 ranked fighter on theboxingrant.com. So now we move to number nine, Vin. And coming in at number nine is a legendary fighter, a future Hall of Famer, and one of the most exciting fighters in boxing and has been for a very, very long time. A renaissance of sorts is taking place for the one they call Junito, but you know him better as Miguel Cotto. And at number nine, Miguel Cotto is on the rise again and heading towards a clash with Saul, Kid Cinnamon, Alvarez. Yeah, I mean, Cotto's just kind of a guy that, look, you can't question a thing that this guy has done in his career. He is a consummate professional, comes in the ring, comes prepared, comes ready to fight. It's just a guy that you would wish other fighters would model their career after. This guy goes after the best, and albeit they're kind of uh, beating around the bush a little bit with this Canelo fight. It's like, guys, uh, I I don't know what the problem is here, but can we get this thing freaking signed on paper? Uh, Enough of this... uh, I don't know what the, the holdups are, rematch clauses, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, this fight needs to be signed and made. It, it kind of makes I, – I, you hear that Cotto is the one that's holding it up. We don't know, but let, let's go here. Let's, let's sign this fight. That Miguel Cotto does not sign fight until Miguel Cotto signs fight. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it's only a matter of days, man. I heard that it was probably going to happen – sometime next week. Right. So let's keep our fingers crossed. The announcement will be coming soon. Um, I look forward to it, man. Miguel Cotto has had a reemergence. You know, people will uh, go after his re- recent resume, yeah. you know, coming off of back-to-back losses against Floyd Mayweather and Austin Trout. There is no doubt about that Miguel Cotto, uh, you know, had a bit of a hangover after the Mayweather fight. I think so. A bit of a rude awakening and went in difficult against 
a really awkward style in Austin Trout. Yeah, rangy guy. Absolutely. And following it up, you know, making his comeback, the reemergence, Delvin Rodriguez, uh, and just impressive resurrection of the vicious left hook to the body that is the signature punch of Miguel Cotto. And then, of course, the fight that you and I were at last June 7th, 2014 from Madison Square Garden as he squared off against lineal middleweight champion Maravilla Sergio Martinez. And what a night at MSG that was, Vin. Oh, man, it was a great night, except for the fact that I was a huge Sergio fan and was completely blown by the outcome. Yeah, that was the most devastated I've ever seen you look. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I've known Vince for 20 years, and I've never seen him cry like he did (laughs) (laughs) after Sergio lost. Tears in my beers, man. Tears in his beers. No, he didn't cry, but uh, he wanted to. Um, Anyways, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he looked great, man. That was... A raucous crowd. I'll never forget that crowd, yeah, man. It was. That, that was the best crowd. I've been to plenty of fights. Uh, that was the best fight crowd I've seen. Then the Daniel Gill uh, accomplishment in his last fight at the Barclays Center just a few months ago knocked out Gill in the fourth round in an impressive display. What I see now from Miguel Cotovin is I see an explosive fighter who looks more spry and bouncy on his feet then I've seen him in 10 years. Yeah, he, he's he's up on his toes. He's moving. He's spinning out. He looks very sharp. Uh, it looks like, you know, what did this guy find? The fountain of youth? He, he looks like he's fighting, you know, he looks like he was fighting like he was when he was 26, 27 years old. And, uh, you know, I, I, you got to fear anybody who steps in the ring with Kodo. I mean, I, I think you're getting a completely different monster, I think, at this you know, at the Miguel Cotto weight class that he's created, basically anywhere between 154 to 160, wherever he decides to fight, I think he's just uh, – that that's where he's best at. He's really, really strong. I don't think he has to worry about, you know, sucking down weight at all. He can probably do whatever he wants and eat healthy and train, and he'll make that weight no problem and be just in the best tip-top shape you can possibly be in. Yeah, he uh... – Ah oh, man, I, I there's something exciting about him these days. I know, you know, he's 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 always been a fighter that I've I've admired and love love to watch. I mean, just epic fights throughout the years. Um, you know, the rivalry with Margarito. Yeah. Um, you know his fights. Uh, you know, against the likes of uh, Mayorga and his fights with 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 Shane Mosley and Zab Judah and the beating of Al's side piece, Paulie Malinaji. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite fights that I repeatedly go back to anytime that I, uh, you know, just want to, I'm feeling a little bit down. Um, an impressive knockout victory against Chop Chop Corley. I mean, mm-hmm. he's had some really, really big victories in his career. Cotto has never once in a fight have I ever, ever been like, this fight stinks. <laughs> What's going on here? This is boring as hell. Not once. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt, man. And uh, I think there's a lot of excitement on the horizon. And, man, wouldn't it be awesome to see him close his career with a trilogy against Canelo Alvarez? As much as I want to see Triple G thrown in with these guys, man, it would just be so great to see just an epic Puerto Rican-Mexican rivalry rebooted. Yeah, yeah, it it would be. And I I hope we at least get two of them. I'm hoping that's what happens. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, No doubt about it. So... There you go, number nine. Miguel Cotto coming in on the BoxingRant.com pound-for-pound list. And sure enough, what do you know? Ranking right above 
Miguel Cotto. Is his upcoming opponent fight to be announced soon? None other than Kid Cinnamon, Saul, Canelo, Alvarez. Canelo is riding high, my friend. Yeah, and you know, you look at it and you, I just, his age pops out at me first <laughs> here. You forget this kid is only freaking 24 years old. 25, just turned 25. Just turned 25? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Okay, Jesus, man. I mean, what he's been able to accomplish at, at this age and just how polished and, and, and strong and just a beast in the ring that he is, he, he's the brightest star in boxing right now. No doubt. I, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he beats Miguel Cotto, and, and forget about it. This kid, I mean, the sky is the limit. When you do 2 million views on regular HBO, yeah, I mean, that hasn't been done in a long, long time. He is a verified, verified boxing superstar and the heir to the throne of boxing's king of stardom. I mean, he is the brightest. He burns the brightest. And, you know, while Golovkin's star shines bright and continues the legend continues to grow. Um, man, Canelo's future, you, you got to think seven, eight years of this kid. And, uh, man, boxing couldn't be in better hands than the golden boy, Kid Cinnamon. No, and on top of that, he's got an entire country in his corner. I mean, the Mexican fan base is 100% behind him. And he could probably thank uh, Chavez Jr. for for ruining his uh, what, what he had established with the Mexican fan base. They're all like, and screw that guy. Yeah, <laughs> we got Canelo. Yeah, we got Canelo. I don't need any of that trash. Yeah, and, and and then you know some other fighters on the rise. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The likes of Oscar Valdez and Gilberto Ramirez. The future is bright for Mexican boxing. And forty-five one and one at twenty-five years old. Turned pro when he was fifteen years old. Un. Believable. I have a hard time believing that that's legal. <laughs> Does mom and dad have to sign the papers for him? I think anything goes in Mexico, buddy. <laughs> anything goes in Mexico. All right. Um, yeah, Saul Alvarez, let's go ahead and just dive into this for let's breach the prediction just for a second. You know, we've talked about this before. We talked about it when the fight was initially announced and rumored. Mm-hmm. Where we stand today. On August 9th, 2015, Canelo versus Cotto. Who you got? I'm going to take Canelo. And um, I, I think, you know, my my feelings on the fight have changed just based upon how good Cotto looked against Gil in the last fight. But I still just see Canelo just too much, too young, too big, too strong. I'm not going to say he's the better, better fighter or better boxer. I think he just what I just said there is going to be the difference. He will wear... Cotto down and um, nine, 10, 11, somewhere late in this fight, I believe Canelo will be able to stop Cotto. Really? Yes. Yeah, you know, that seems to be kind of the way of things. I mean, when's the last time Cotto was dragged into an all out brawl? Not even an all out brawl, just a fight where you're going to be taking serious punches for nine, 10 rounds. It's been a long time since we've seen that from him. And, you know, we've seen the new the new bouncy, the new spry Cotto. Can he be spry late in the fight? Or is that just a guy that knows, I'm going to get this guy out of here quick. I know I can, I can do whatever I want. I can throw caution to the wind and, and be very aggressive. It, there's a lot of questions. And, I, look, I don't, I'll never say for a second that I don't give Cotto a chance in this fight at all. He definitely has a fighting chance to beat Canelo Alvarez 
without a doubt. I just think Canelo's too young, too big, too strong. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been since 2011 was the last time we saw Cotto um, in a war, and that was the uh, Margarito fight. Right. You know, and I agree with you. I, I think what we've seen from Cotto is when he gets in it in these kind of fights, which I, I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with you, that this is going to be one of those kind of fights. Yeah. That as he has gone against the elite fighters in brawls, um, Pacquiao, uh, you know, the, even Mayweather to an extent that was a that was a good fight. It was a tough fight. The first the you know the first Margarito fight like these fights didn't end well for a guy that was there in the fight the entire time scrapping and just taking an absolute pounding. And um, I think I'm with you, man. I think probably around the tenth or the eleventh round, I think we're going to see a stoppage. Now Alvarez's chin is going to get tested like it's never been tested before. Absolutely, you know, and absolutely. We'll be able to see Alvarez has the signature. You know, that big, huge, wide shoulders that is just signature. It's, it's, it's in the DNA of Mexican fighters. They always have these really, really wide shoulders. And he has an extremely strong back, and that's where Canelo generates. Most of his power comes from the large back muscles and the large leg muscles where, you know, golfers, baseball players, it's where football players, it's where we, uh, uh, all athletes get their drive and their power from. And it'll be interesting to see how the muscular physique and build, the powerhouse frame of Canelo, how that absorbs the monstrous left hook to the body that Cotto uh, so, so routinely lays the wood to his opponents. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I'm trying to think of a fighter that's, that's put some really heavy shots on Canelo and to the body at that, and I, I can't pick one out. So this is definitely... Yeah, I mean, this will be, the besides Mayweather, the biggest test of his career, and it's a completely different fight. Uh, you, you saw in the fight with Mayweather, Canelo, for whatever reason, I, I don't know whose idea it was to try and box Floyd Mayweather when he should have just attacked. Uh, this is going to be an attacking fight. Uh, th- there's not going to be – he's going to be stalking Cotto, in my opinion, for most of the fight. But that's not to say, look, one of those lefts hits his body, and he just crumbles, man. I mean, if it hits the right spot, I don't care who you are. Cotto will drop you. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, well, we'll just have to wait and see, and we'll get into more uh, in-depth coverage once the fight is announced because there's going to be some super mega events to cover um, in the near future, and I'm looking forward to it, no doubt about it. So Canelo Alvarez comes in as the number eight-ranked fighter on theboxingrant.com. Number seven, dropping all the way from number two down to number seven. Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao. What are your thoughts on Manny? Um, What are your thoughts on this position in the rankings? Do you think that part of me feels like he should be dropped from the rankings completely just because the future for Pacquiao is so... It's just up in the air, man. It's just completely up in the air. Was this fight, the shoulder surgery, everything involved in it, the payday, his commitment to the church and to his country, do these things just turn the page into uh, a legend of yesterday for Pacquiao? Yeah, I'm worried for Pacquiao when he actually does come back from the surgery and gets a fight. Because just like you said there, I'm starting to question – 
whether he's in the fight game just for the paychecks. I mean, he's already the the story's been written. The legend of Manny Pacquiao will always be there. I, I kind of I'm, I'm on the fence of whether I would even prefer that he come back and fight anybody. It's just I'm sure he still has some left in the tank, and I, you know I'm sure the soldier, shoulder injury did hinder him against Mayweather. But I'll be damned if I you know the last couple of years I've just when you watch Manny, he's still Manny Pacquiao, but he is not. Manny Pacquiao, the storm, the aggressive, like, just got to end it beast in the ring that he was for a four- or five-year stretch. I, I just don't know, Ken. It, I, I'll tell you this. I, I, you know, if he comes back and fight, of course, I'm all for a Manny Pacquiao fight. I'm just wondering whether that's the best thing for him personally in his career and his life right now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much the that sums it up right there. Um no, I'm with you, man. Uh there is there's so much up in the air right now and so many questions surrounding his recovery. Bob Arum is starting to take a negative tone with Manny. Yeah, that, there's been some strange things coming out from Manny and Bob lately. It almost seems like Bob is trying to, you know, maybe this is the the very foundation and the groundwork for a passing of the torch fight with Terrence Crawford that he's starting to uh, move it on from Manny kind right. of thing. Because you've never heard him talk about Manny in this kind of a light before. No, no. It was Manny is was his god. Yeah, well, you know what? And Manny made him a ton of money. Oh, yeah. And was at the heart and soul. Once Oscar left top rank, um, you know, Manny was top rank. And, yeah. And, and to is top rank and yeah. until he retires because there's no other fighter that's going out and uh you know garnering the kind of site fees that they're paying for him to fight in macau china um and this record-breaking pay per view personally i think he's going to come back and they're going to put him in with somebody tough hoping planning matchmaking to win mm -hmm. um and then we are going to see in the grand opening of the brand new arena the new sports arena or the new event center at the MGM Grand, uh, we are going to see Mayweather versus Pacquiao too. You think that'll be in, in May next year is when they're opening it, right? I, I yeah, maybe it's construction, man. I work in that field. That those, yeah. <laughs> there's delays all the time. But you know, like I said on the last episode, when uh, when I had uh, Alex Burgos guest hosted with me, is you know we talked about this a little bit, and I don't think he's retiring. He was at the ribbon-cutting ceremony. He was the guy that cut oh, the yeah. ribbon on the new arena. Do you really think that they are going to open that arena without a Mayweather fight in it? No, there's absolutely no chance of that. Floyd Mayweather will open that arena. If it's not the grand opening, it'll be the first boxing event, yeah. definitely. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I'm – look, the Pacquiao fight is not very far-fetched by any means. Uh, you know, Where else do you want – they're going to sell it as Manny's healthy. He wasn't healthy the first time. This is going to be a completely different fight now. We're going to give it to you for cheaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I'm with you. Okay? Manny has a career that nobody in boxing history may ever have again. No. Okay? Uh, spanning through eight divisions, winning titles in eight different divisions. Where he came from to where he is now as a person, as a politician, uh, as a religious leader in his, in his country, and one of the greatest boxers of all time. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Pacquiao is probably a top 25, top 30 fighter of all time, just based off of resume mm -hmm. al alone. You know, sometimes in boxing, we 
you know, well, not it isn't sometimes. It's pretty much all the time, especially in the society that we live in where everything is instant gratification. Uh, people are looking at Manny Pacquiao through the lens of a guy that cried injury after a loss to Mayweather. Fans felt cheated in some regards. I, you know, personally, if you bought into that crap and, you know, you, you really don't have a right to bitch because right. if anybody thought that that was going to be a great fight, um, you know, they're fooling themselves. Manny showed okay in the first half of that fight against Mayweather. Yeah. All right? Um, he stunned Mayweather, caught him a couple times, but he just wasn't able to keep up that pressure. Um, and I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that it was, it was the injury that, that, you know, prevented him from being able to push through in the second half of that fight. But at the same time, we all know that Floyd is notorious for laying down the hammer in second halves of fights. So, you know, as far as as far as the future goes for Manny, I'm not sure. He still is a pound-for-pound pound legend. This may be the last time we do this list, and when we do the list at the year-end awards again, um, coming up in January when we recap and review 2015, uh, you know, that may be uh, the first time that Manny Pacquiao is not in a pound-for-pound pound list, but we'll just have to see what the future holds for one of boxing's all-time greats. Uh, any last thoughts on, on, on Pac-Man, Vin? I would say as long as he is an active fighter, not retired, and, and doesn't lose his next fight, he'll be on this list. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um, well, fingers crossed, man. Hopefully he comes back healthy, and uh, I'm okay being a Manny Pacquiao fan with him, um, you know, retiring, and I'm okay with him coming back and trying to do the deal once more. Bob Arum says that if Pacquiao comes back to fight, that they're not going to throw him in the ring for a warm-up fight, that they're just going to put him right to the wolves. So we'll just have to wait and see. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any way that you, do you need to throw him in with a tune-up guy. I mean, yeah, he missed nine months, but come on. Manny Pacquiao's been fighting for a long time. He, he doesn't need a, a refresher course. Let's go. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I mean, the guy's career is is unbelievable, and I look forward to the day when we can do a show um, you know, maybe a hall, you know, hall of fame induction show years from now where we get to uh, just break down and go through the career of uh, one of the modern greats in boxing history. So Manny Pac-Man Pacquiao comes in at number seven on the boxing pound for pound list. So we move to number six. Um, and one of just the most ferocious individuals, one of the most deadly bloodthirsty fighters, um, in modern boxing, and a fan's fighter by definition, one of the best action fighters, power punchers, and one of the best boxers on the planet. At 28-0, the crusher, Sergey Kovalev, is on the rise and makes his entrance into the pound-for-pound rankings at theboxingrand.com. Number six, Sergey Kovalev. I put Kovalev as the most feared boxer on the planet. I, you can have a triple G, a close second, but to me, there's, there's, there's a, di there's something different about the way Kovalev does it as opposed to the way triple G does it. Sergey just is, is, is a savage man. He, you can just tell in the ring. He, he wants to inflict pain. He wants to hurt you. He wants to get you out of there as soon as possible. He's not in there to play games. No. He's not in there to get rounds. <laughs> no. He's in there to pound your face to a pulp and get the hell out of there and collect his money and move on to the next one. And right now in boxing, there ain't nobody better in the business 
that that is, I mean, entertainment for your dollar. Sergey Kovlev's the man right now. Oh yeah, man. Uh, man, I uh, I second everything you just said. Um, from a technical aspect, one of the most slept-on fighters. People are so impressed by the devastation of his arsenal yep. that they lose sight of the fact that we're talking about, and we learn this in full detail in the Bernard Hopkins fight, but we're talking about here one of the best boxers in the world. Without a doubt. The way he moves is uh, it's very impressive. It's, it's sneaky, fast. He has really, really fast hands straight down the middle to the target. Yeah, you, you don't expect the athleticism that he brings to the ring. I don't know. He just it's, he it's just a, looks like a, a skinny white guy. Yeah, he's not really that, that build. He's not really that ripped. He's just he's a freaking athlete, man. Like, to the, to the bones, he's an athlete. Yeah, like you would imagine that, like, Kovalev would beat you in a foot race, that right. he'd probably beat you one-on-one in basketball. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That he could play hockey. Like, he's probably good at, uh, you know, at many, many sports. The thing that is really striking to me with Kovalev is, uh, in my opinion, he's the best straight puncher in boxing, mm-hmm. okay? The, the knockout of Najib Muhammad, people can say whatever they want about Muhammad, that he was a bum, that he didn't deserve this, he didn't deserve that. That's all that aside. Let's put that argument aside. The way in which Kovalev knocked out Muhammad in his last fight, literally with a one-two left-right on the button in the same exact pinpoint location, two straight punches with both hands. Rarely do you see a fighter that throws straight right, straight left with equal devastation and effectiveness. No, no, and and he can do it short. He doesn't need to load that punch up. He no. fires it. He fires it from the guard, from the chin, from the shoulder. He's not he's not a guy that loads up on punches at all. And it's almost like when you're when you see his punches being thrown, they don't appear like they're that damn powerful. <laughs> I don't know what this guy's packing in in his, in his fist, but good lord, man! I mean, there's there's not you been a fighter. You are a pirate. <laughs> I don't know what that was. But. I don't either. <laughs> oh, the computer just chiming in on the conversation. <laughs> You're a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, I should probably stop touching buttons over here. Oh, that's funny, man. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Kovalev's future, then. Okay. They extended an offer to Artur Baturbiev, um, an up-and-comer. A, a fighter that, well, let's be honest, Paterbiev and Kovalev know each other uh, very well. The next fight for Kovalev, they're going to take him over to Russia. And are you hearing anything? Have you heard anybody talking about who this opponent's going to be? Because uh, they're not, Heyman's not sending uh, uh, Baterbiev over to Russia to yeah. face the crusher. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure that I totally blame, I mean, that's, is he ready for that fight? I I, I don't know. No, he he did get offered five hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for for better be of, and to turn that down is a little you know. But like I said, is he ready or is he not? And in his professional career, I don't, I don't quite think he's there. And you know, there's a little bit of bad blood that comes goes back to the amateurs between those guys, and of course, better be of beating him a couple times. So you know, I mean, there's not much out there for Kovalev. He wants revenge and just. Just based on the type of person he is and the way we see him fight, I mean, it, I'm sure that eats him up every day that he can't get his hands on Better Biev. He 
he can't get his hands on Stevenson. The the PBC has kind of got him, you know, handcuffed right now as as far as where to go with opponents. And I, you know, I, I constantly see, and I I try to avoid these conversations on Twitter, and I get into them. People questioning who this guy fights in his resume. There is no questioning. This guy will fight whoever if he's given the opportunity to do so, if people would not back away from him and hide from him in the in the PBC land. He, he, Did you see Solomon coming to the defense of Adonis Stevenson yesterday? Dude, I wanted to jump through my computer screen and choke the shit out of him. This is the same uh, Solomon that was, I don't, I don't know, I guess it was last week at the last, maybe it was the last PBC show mm-hmm. um, that a a pretty notable boxing journalist saw Suleiman and Al Heyman just chumming it up, laughing at each other's jokes, rubbing each other's back. Of course. Sitting in a sauna together, whipping towels at each other. <laughs> I am not surprised for a second, man. You know, that purse bid was sped up purposely. Oh, yeah. Like, they asked for the purse bid, but it wasn't supposed to take place when it did. And it's pretty clear that Michelle, uh, Yvonne Michelle, Al Heyman, they pushed Suleiman, paid Suleiman exactly. to push that purse bid up when they were not ready to go to purse bid. Mm-hmm. And it was a purse bid that they would have lost. And Kovalev has a contract with HBO. But you know what? As soon as you get some kind of good graces and, you know, a a, a positive, honest sort of sentiment from one of these CEOs or presidents of the sanctioning bodies, they go and just do the dumbest shit, make the the dumbest comments or change their own rules. Yeah. And it's clear, like, dude, what are you talking about? You sound like a guy who is paid off. Yeah, and that's what they are. A lot of the times it's I, I, I don't I can't even go into I get so infuriated with these damn sanctioning bodies and the way they operate in the sport. It is a complete fucking joke. They they have no accountability. They make rules, break rules, bend rules whenever they want to. Uh, do we want to enforce? I don't think so. This guy's our cash cow, man. We're going to make a lot more money if this guy's fighting and fights for us rather than somebody else. It's a it's a complete joke, man. Yeah, it's horseshit. Yeah, it's absolute horseshit. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Sergey Kovalev, the WBA, IBF, and WBO light heavyweight champion and is the people's champ and anybody that has a head on their shoulders that's worth a damn that is not on the payroll of Al Heyman um, or his secret cult uh, knows that Sergey Kovalev is not only the legitimate light heavyweight, undenied 175-pound king, but he's also one of the top 10 best fighters in the world. Yeah, he's, he's one of the baddest men on the planet, buddy. Yeah, no doubt about it. So Sergey the Crusher Kovalev comes in at number six on the BoxingRant.com's pound-for-pound list. Just want to take a second, let our listeners know, stop by the BoxingRant.com for all the archived episodes of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Drop us a line, podcast at TheBoxingRant.com. Be back in just a few days with episode 67 as Vin and I unveil our top 10 boxing prospects in the world, a list of, in our opinion, the best up-and-coming young fighters in the world with upside, talent, and the future of the sport that we love. So coming up on episode 67, the top 10 boxing prospects as dubbed by 
at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. So look forward to that. You can listen to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and of course, theboxingrant.com. Hit us up. We want to hear what you have to say. So let's move into the second half of this pound-for-pound list. And coming in at number five on theboxingrant.com, pound-for-pound countdown, Dr. Stilhammer, Vladimir Klitschko, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. No, 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 Ken. Deontay Wilder is the heavyweight champion of the world. What are you talking about? (laughs) Calm down. Uh, Yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Dr. Steelhammer, 64 and 3 with 53 knockouts. That, that is something impressive right there. I mean, you, you kind of forget how many fights this guy's been and how long his career has been. Just, uh, he's, he's a heavyweight champion that belongs with the all time greats, in my opinion. I don't care what anybody says about the competition that he's faced. This guy goes in the ring, whoever he's thrown in front of him. He completely pounds the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah, but, oh, you know what? He didn't knock out Bryant Jennings, so he's he's faded, and, and, and he's done, Vin. You know how awkward of a fighter Bryant Jennings is? Yeah, he's not even... He doesn't even have a boxing background. He's no. A, he's an athlete, tough guy that can punch, and he came with a style that Klitschko was probably like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. Let me just uh, get through this one. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to do that, but... Klitschko has reigned for such a long time. Yeah. Um, Deontay Wilder is carrying around a belt. Deontay Wilder fought 33 sparring partners, okay? Yeah. And he literally did. He fought 33 sparring partners and then gets a fight that is lined up for him, right, by the powers that be. Oh, don't think. Don't think for a second that WBC didn't have something to do with him getting that belt. Oh, absolutely, man. And it was a belt that if – if Vitaly Klitschko was still fighting, he would still have it. He retired because of injury, yep. and the belt was vacant, and Stavern won a vacant belt, and then Wilder comes in and beats a fat, lazy, undertrained strip club attending uh, Berman Stavern. Yeah, I think those plans were set in motion two years before that fight even happened. It's You look back on it and you go, oh, God, these, these freaking guys, man, how do they get away with this shit? yeah well you know they get away with it because uh al Heyman's the great and powerful oh yeah um no there's no denying if 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 you say for a second that deontay wilder is a legitimate heavyweight champion just go jump off a bridge because um (laughs) there's no saving you no you know there's not there's no redeeming qualities involved in a in a in an accusation slash statement um, as ridiculous as that. So Klitschko looks to his next fight, which we will get to see on HBO October 24th from Dusseldorf, Germany, as he squares off against none other than the enigmatic, gigantic, that's right, the gigantic one, Tyson Fury. Listen, I don't know the answer to all your questions, but the one thing I do know the answer for is this clit is getting licked on October the 24th. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh, you got to love this guy. Um, this was a tough test for, for Klitschko. I, I, I know a lot of people 
and maybe it's because they don't really follow the UK boxing scene as close as we do. I mean, we cover the UK boxing scene. I mean, I, I feel like it's just as much a part of this show as the US boxing scene is. Definitely. And in my opinion, Vin, I think that Klitschko is in for it in this fight. I, I'm right with you. I'm, you know, I'm not so quick to just easily say uh, uh, Klitschko gets him out of there inside of five rounds. I, I think Tyson Fury's a, a a boxer that that's taller than him and a guy that really he hasn't. I mean, we've seen it against Marius Wach back in the day, but that I think Wach and and, and uh, Fury are completely different. I mean, as far as big and boxers that jab and stay on the outside, yes. But I give Tyson Fury a little bit more credit than that. I think he's a much better fighter than Wach was at the time. I just see this fight not being easy for Klitschko at all, and I, it's going to take some some of his best work in a couple years to get a win. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, Tyson Fury, maybe it was all in preparation for the Klitschko fight, but the last two fights that we've seen Fury in, he has displayed a really, really nice boxing IQ uh, just dominating two, you know, gatekeeper level fighters, but not bums by by any stretch of the imagination. Derek Chisora and Christian Hammer literally just got peppered to death until both of them quit. Yeah, two two better fighters than uh, than Wilder has on his resume besides Stavern. Oh yeah, I mean Stavern is the same level fighter as Derek Chisora. Yeah, I mean Derek Ch- Chisora is the British version. Of Berman Stavern. And, and what does Klitschko do? He, our, our Fury does. He wipes the floor with him. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, not even close. He's and, playing playing games with him in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, that Fury does the same thing to Deontay Wilder. But as it pertains to this fight, that is the style. Mm-hmm. I think that is going to give Klitschko fits. For the first time in a long time, he's not going to be the fighter that has the reach advantage and is going to be able to operate at a safe distance out away from his opponent's jab. This Fury will be able to get to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got early prediction on that fight? I think Klitschko wins. I, I don't know if I see a knockout in this fight, but I think Klitschko wins a decision pretty, you know, two, three rounds in his favor, maybe four. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of sit back and, and, and reserve my prediction until closer to the fight. I go back and forth on this. I'm one of the few people that I see in the media, um, online, anywhere, boxing, podcasts, anybody that covers a sport like we do. I, I feel like I'm out here on an island thinking that, that Fury has a legitimate chance to win this fight. No, I, I'm, you know, I'm not far from that island. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a boat just outside of that island. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, as it stands today, you definitely have to favor, uh, you know, Dr. Steelhammer. Just, yeah. just signed a five-year uh, re-up with his TV uh, deal over in Europe. So it doesn't seem like Klitschko is going anywhere anytime soon. No, and there's some some really, I mean, this being the first of, with, with Fury, this being the first of possibly three or four really intriguing matchups for him to be in with, with young fighters. Uh, the, you, I was surprised to see that he signed a, that extension, but look, he's fresh, man. Yeah. He, he's, a, he, he's a young 39 in the ring. And would you say, pound for pound, the best boxing entrance ring walk in the sport? Oh, yeah. Uh, that last ring walk was unbelievable, man. It's, it's like a comic bookish. Yeah, it's entrance. awesome. <laughs> it is. It is. It is awesome. Uh, indeed. So Vladimir Klitschko, one of my favorite fighters 
um, and one of the greatest heavyweights of of all time. Any generation, this guy belongs up there with every single one of them. I'm, I am right with you. And uh, you know, I'll say it. I'll say it. I've said it once. I've said it twice. I've said it a million times. Just because you haven't heard of the Eastern European that was a mandatory challenger of Vladimir Klitschko that he knocked out doesn't mean that he's fighting bums because Klitschko has fought everybody that he was supposed to fight. Yeah, it just so happens that his reign, his era as champion, the American heavyweight division was a complete just barren wasteland of nobodies. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about it, man. So there you have it. Coming in at number five on the boxingrant.com's pound for pound list, Dr. Steelhammer, Vladimir Klitschko. So now we move into the top four fighters. And, you know, I think with these four guys, really, you could kind of throw them all in a hat and just throw them up in the air. And I think that you and I have probably met, talked to, engaged with boxing fans, writers, trainers, whoever, that have made arguments for any of the four remaining fighters. So coming in at number four on the list, Big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. He is for the fans. He is the fans, the people's choice. Ring TV online, Ring Magazine did a poll of boxing fans diehards. That is the audience of the ring. And they did a poll who is the best fighter on the planet. And if there's any indication of the popularity of Triple G Gennady Golovkin as it relates to the modern boxing landscape, any indication at all, if this tells you something, Triple G garnered more votes than Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao combined. Yeah, I was. I remember when that came out. I don't, it was a while ago, but yeah, that was shocking. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you it's know, a popularity it's, contest, it, and it is. And you think that. Manny wins, that would be my guess. Sure, sure. But it wasn't even close, man. I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy has taken boxing by storm in the last year and a half, two years, and just done it the right way. Whether you, another, once again, like Kovalev, people like to question the the, the opponents that he's faced. The, the guy will fight anybody, okay? Uh, people are scared shitless to get in the ring with this guy. Yeah. And it's, it's one punch and good night. Yeah. And it's a. This is a kind of guy that you lose to him. He beats you up. And say you don't go down on the first punch. He beats you up like he beat up, uh, you know, Curtis Stevens. And he, this is this is a guy that will take years off of your career. Yes. in a fight. Yes, he, he has every punch has so much malice. He he's probably pound for pound has the heaviest hands mm-hmm. in boxing. You know, whereas Kovalev may have a little bit more of that one punch knockout. Uh, devastation because of the fact that Kovalev is such a straight down the middle devastating puncher Golovkin his hands are literally like bricks Mm -hmm. I mean every punch is pinpoint accurate place the way he throws the hook to the body the liver shot that he crippled Matthew Macklin with the way he spins his hand at the point of contact I mean there's literally to be able to hit somebody and knock somebody out with a liver shot you have to land on an area the size of a quarter. Mm -hmm. The size of a quarter in between the only spot on the rib cage of the body where the liver comes through just enough, and he spins that wrist 
he is his amateur pedigree. If there is a boxer that gets more out of his amateur background, it may be the next guy on this list, but triple G his, his upbringing have forged him into one of the best all around boxers in the world. Vin his strengths. Okay. We've talked about his bricks and his gloves, right? Mm -hmm. His footwork, his ability to cut off the ring and his relentless attack. Anything else really stand out to you about Triple G? Uh, the ability to receive a punch and give your own punch, which, I mean, he does not care about getting From what I've seen, anyways, he doesn't care about getting punched. No. Yeah, go ahead and hit me. You're going to leave yourself wide open. I'm going to hit you. It's going to hurt a lot more. And the fact that he's able to be just, I mean, pinpoint accuracy with his punches, it, it, those are the two biggest things that stick out to me besides what you said and I'm sure we're leaving out something because this guy's game is just, uh, I mean, it's completely 100% well-rounded as a fighter. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt, man. He's, uh, he, he I think uh, Triple G, and um, there's one other guy on this list that may be as well-rounded as Golovkin. And the only reason that Golovkin is at number four and not at number one on this list is the resume, and that is it. Yep. That's the only thing that keeps him from the title as the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. And with David Lemieux coming up on the horizon, October 17th, HBO pay-per-view, the mecca of boxing, that will be a show for the ages. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can't remember a time where I've ever been so pumped about a fight, even more so than Mayweather-Pacquiao when it first came out. Yeah. There, there's, there's something special is going to happen that night, and I going to go on the other side of everybody I hear saying that Golovkin is going to completely rip Lemieux's head off inside of three rounds. I think it's going to be a, a little bit different than that. I think this is going to be a tough fight for both fighters. I still think Golovkin wins the fight. Right. But it, this is by no means going to be, you know, Daniel Giel or Matthew Macklin or whoever we've seen him fight and just completely Martin Murray. Even Murray was able to take him, what, nine rounds, eight rounds, nine rounds? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a tough fight. Thinking, what, 10, 10 or 11 rounds? Yeah. Uh, if I'm thinking if Murray can do that, and Murray's more of a boxer, of course, than Lemieux is, but I think Lemieux has the capability of doing that, and this is going to, we're going to get something special, really special from Golovkin that night. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be awesome. And uh, rumor has it that uh, King Kong, Luis Ortiz versus Berman Stavern mm -hmm. might be on that card. That should be, that should Gloria be one, Chocolatito. Yeah, man. It, uh, it's it's going to be a well-rounded night of, of fights for sure. But Golovkin-Lemieux, um, that is the fight that everybody that is a diehard, dedicated, loyal boxing fan of the sweet science uh, to the 10th, to the millionth degree, Gennady Golovkin is, uh, is the people's champ and the best middleweight on the planet. Would you argue that, Ben? I mean, he's the best middleweight champion since Bernard Hopkins. That's a tall order, but yeah. um, I'm with you when you're right. So Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, comes in to theboxingrant.com's pound-for-pound list at number four, and I don't see him going backwards on this list. No, unless Lemieux somehow tease off on him and takes him out of there. I, yeah, there's no way. But then we get a rematch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that will be, uh, hey, it'll benefit us anyway. So, um, yeah, Triple G, number four on the pound-for-pound pound list. So now we move to number three. 
on theboxingrant.com's pound-for-pound list and coming in the three-hole is none other than high-tech himself. He has a master's in the sweet science and a doctorate in pinpoint punching, Vasily Lomachenko, with only five professional fights under his belt. He is regarded by many in the boxing universe to be the best amateur fighter to ever lace up the gloves in boxing. High praise, but not even remotely far-fetched. Vasily Lomachenko comes in at number three on the BoxingRant.com's pound-for-pound list. I, I think this is not the last stop for him on this list. <laughs> no. I think by the, by the time this kid's 30 years old, uh, minus the guy who's at the top of the list now, I mean, they're going to be bat- those two are going to be battling it out for the top of pound-for-pound list for the next five years. And... This this kid just has so much skill. Can you? I mean, is there one part of his game? Can you find a hole anywhere? You almost have to like. He's so good, you miss it in in live action, like in in full speed during the fight. You have to like slow slow things down to appreciate how freaking good this kid actually is, man. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I can say about Lomachenko is he doesn't have the devastating knockout power. Right. But what Lomachenko does so well and what a lot of young fighters could take from this because people forget Lomachenko's amateur pedigree you would think he boxes like somebody that's been around much longer than a 27 year old Mm -hmm. but what he does is something that many 27 year olds do not do in this sport he changes speeds better than anybody yeah he does better than anybody he can go to these pity pat just kind of distracting throw away jabs just to get you right in the position where he needs you then he will pop you three or four times spin around you and the next thing you know his opponents stand there looking where in the hell did he go yeah uh, opponents basically end up mesmerized themselves by how good this kid is they're they they abandon the fact of let me see how, how if I can do something to get to this kid to and then it goes to uh let me make sure this kid doesn't beat the shit out of me and make me look like a complete idiot on national TV because look, this this guy brings every aspect of fighting that you could possibly ever put into a package of a boxer it's it's he's like a he's like a a boxing fan's dream to watch and he's Kind of at a, at a nerdy level. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're just a casual boxing fan and you watch him, you go, what? I don't get it. But if you really break it down to just brass tacks with him, he is he's so damn good, man. So damn good. Yeah, he's mental masturbation for the, uh, <laughs> you know, the diehard boxing fan. And talks of a potential matchup, Lomachenko versus Rigondeau. I mean, dude, that is like freaking man that's like the two best chess players of all time it's like star wars versus star trek isn't it (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah yeah it actually is really oh man if they make that fight that would be unbelievable um uh, vasily lomachenko man there isn't really much that we can say other than we'd like to see him in with more of the best. We yeah we already saw him school gary russell jr yeah um there's plenty of fighters in and around the weight class featherweights the best of them are signed with the PBC and Al Heyman right so finding opponents for Lomachenko uh, could be tough but he has recently re-upped in a long-term deal with top ranking Bob Arum but the good thing is 
is that there are some bright featherweights coming up on the horizon, the likes of Julian Ramirez, Oscar Valdez, Nonito Donaire still around. Scott Quigg is available to fight in and around that weight class, a potential matchup against Rigandau. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of fighters and a lot of opponents um, out there. Um, Lomachenko, man. I mean, what else can you say about this guy? Really? He's, uh, he's the most impressive fighter that should, should just sit there and you're just kind of in awe when you watch him fight. It's like, how did he get there? How did that punch get there so quick? How did he get out of there? <laughs> it's, it's it's unbelievable, man. Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, and that's why he sits here. People are probably like, "What? You guys got five fights? How the hell is he ranked number three on the pound for pound list?" Are you watching? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, seriously. Um, then you're yeah, you're not watching. No. If 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 you question his uh his place on the list, see, here's the thing: people have different criteria for their pound for pound lists. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, people like seeing certain things. This pound for pound list is about as well-rounded as you're going to find with the type of fighters that sit on this list. And this is about who is the best all around package, who has it all. That is the, it's the sum of all parts. It's the, it's the potential as much as it is the road that led you there. His amateur pedigree, all-time legendary status alone mm-hmm. is worthy of putting him on this damn list. Yep. So, you know, quantifying, uh, you know, he doesn't have enough fights. Well, guess what? Floyd Mayweather doesn't have enough fights to be considered the best of all time. No, he does not. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Vasily Lomachenko, high-tech, the WBO featherweight champion of the world, comes in at number three on the BoxingRant.com's pound four pound list now we move to number two and guess what hmm number two on the list i got something for you surprise motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) it ain't who you think it is coming in at number two (sighs) and i cannot wait until september 12th passes and that hopefully fingers crossed is the end of the line so he can be permanently removed from this list, and that is the defensive master, the pound-for-pound king, as some have proclaimed. But he is an older, more defensive, less action-packed version of that fighter. And what puts him at number two is his lack of excitement, his boring fights, and he does not pack the excitement of any of the other fighters on this list. He is an attraction and nothing more. Um, defense, yeah, it may win championships in other sports. It may keep you undefeated against lesser, uh, against lesser, slower, plotting, forward, hand-picked competition, but it does not put you at number one on this list. Coming in at number two on theboxingrant.com's pound-for-pound list, Floyd Money Mayweather. There's only, in my opinion, now at this point in his career, one one thing that he's best. He's number one that pound for pound in the world, and that's pulling the fleece over everybody's eyes. Uh, just being a a shrewd, shrewd behind the scenes business guy in the sport. Other than that, I mean, just exactly what you said. I this probably be the biggest discrepancy with this list is people should are going to say, how is Floyd not number one? Uh, he he's beaten everybody, Ken. Uh, it, whether it's handpicked or not, it, 
He's he's undefeated and he's been. That's the, other people's criteria. Exactly. You yeah. know, it, it, if that's your criteria. Then fine, go go make your own list. Yep. Yeah, I'm and I'm right with you on that. It, the fact that of what he's given us in the ring, and I get it. He's completely dominated everybody, and I'll I'll never question that. I mean, this is coming from a guy Floyd Mayweather five years ago was my favorite fighter in the sport, and that has completely just been thrown to the wayside by. You know, what I consider to be the last two or three years of just bullshit fights, complete just safe fighting on his behalf, not taking any risks in his career. And it's just it's grown so old and so thin. I don't even care to see his next fight and I'm going to watch it. But it's like, here we go again. Oh, what? Pot shot, straight right hand. <laughs> oh, back off and it. Oh, we lead you in up. There comes the right hand again. Yep. And he'll land seven or eight of those each round, and they'll be the flashiest punches of the of the of the round, and he'll win the round, and he'll take no frigging risk in the process. It's it's just it's old and tired, man. Yeah, it is old and tired, and you can just you know the promotion, right? Like the promotion so far, the announcement of this fight. There's been nothing but excuse making, backpedaling. And they have, it has been a just, I don't know, man, like the PR machine of Floyd Mayweather, TMT, you know, and all of his sycophants and all his yes men that surround him, they are on full damage control right now. You don't realize that he's earned it, Ken. He's earned it. It's his final fight. Yeah. Then he should have went out against Pacquiao and rode off into the sunset. Right? Yeah, he should have. Because I hate to break it to you, I know somebody like Floyd Mayweather who has no grasp of boxing history and his fans who have no grasp of boxing history. Stop trying to go after a record that is completely irrelevant to a fucking welterweight. Yeah, Why makes... is he obsessed with a heavyweight's 49-0? and 0? That's not even the best of all time. No, I, I, I'll never understand that. And, I mean, there's nobody out there that you talk to that's a boxing historian or, or a boxing head now that, I mean, just because you've, you've surpassed Rocky Marciano, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't make you anything. I don't think anybody sits there and says Rocky Marciano is the best heavyweight ever. I'd be surprised if he comes in a lot of people's top fives. He beat a lot of guys that were, you know, aging heavyweights at that point in their careers and, you know, kind of missed the the golden era or the golden age of heavyweights back then. It just mean, it means nothing to me, and they're trying to sell it as it's some big deal. Uh, I don't think anybody who knows anything about boxing is buying that for a second. No. No, they're not, man. They're not. But you know what? His fan base, they tune in once a month. They see a story on, you know, floydfluff.com or on ESPN, just, you know, or they hear Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless talking about it. Right. And they're two buffoons in their own right that know nothing about this sport. And they hear this and they run with it. And he knows it. That's the thing is that Floyd fans do not get it that they are the brunt of the joke yeah they they are the but he is laughing all the way to the bank when you spend 75 dollars on some mall kiosk generic ass stitched hat and you pay a hundred dollars for a t-shirt and you buy all his junk and you obsess over his money like you're you're the joke 
Yeah, I, I couldn't believe somebody's making an argument for him uh, not too long ago, and they said, well, does he make $100 million a fight? <laughs> the guy, whoever they're arguing about. <laughs> well, what does that have anything to fucking do with anything? Uh, that's just that's just morons, man. It's just They don't know anything. It's the only thing they have. They, they hear this, and it's like their go-to statement on repeat because they don't know anything else about the guy. I know. Julio Cesar Chavez was 89 and 0. 89 and 0 before his first loss. He had 40 more wins than what Floyd Mayweather is going after. So he just arbitrarily picks, oh, I'm going to take this heavyweight's 49 and 0, and that's what I'm going to shoot for. And then he's convinced all of his sycophants that that is, I guarantee you, if you polled, Floyd Mayweather Jr. fans, they think that 49-0 and 0 is the best record in the history of boxing. Oh, without a doubt. is That's a guarantee. Those people are so blind to what happens in the rest of the... I wonder if they even watch boxing besides a Floyd Mayweather fight. I bet you they think Marciano was in the same weight class as Floyd. Because <laughs> that's what Floyd's tried to convince everybody. Yeah, it, it, that, that whole argument, I mean, God, that's just that's so terrible, man. <laughs> And then Floyd comes and tries to justify the Birdo thing by saying that uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, the the only difference between Pacquiao and Birdo is the hype. Excuse me? <laughs> well, we're not that stupid, sir. Oh, God. what are you calling him sir for? <laughs> <laughs> Dick. Oh, gosh, this guy, I can't wait until he goes, man. I know. Cannot wait until he goes. Unfortunately, we're going to have to suffer a 2016 with Floyd Mayweather, I think, uh, at least maybe more oh he's always going to be around man oh yeah you know what i mean he's going to be a big part of the background of the pbc as long as they're around and he's retired i think oh absolutely dude absolutely um so yeah he ain't going anywhere dude the way he spends money come on come on yeah when is somebody gonna rob him (laughs) like 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 like, whatever happened to the good old days with like stick-up artists and you know what i mean (laughs) good old days yeah (laughs) good old yeah you see the movie The Town? Yeah. Like guys like that. Yeah. Like pulling off heists. Like Mayweather carries around a bag of like a million dollars cash. His bodyguards are like these gigantic, fat, sloppy, like like they're they're just big fat guys. You could yeah. like dart in and out, grab that money and dip out before those guys even put their <laughs> cheeseburger down. You want to set it up, man? Let's pull off the heist. That about says it. Yeah, it does, man. It does. It definitely uh, sums it up. And in, you know, I don't know, man. I've just, uh, it's time to move on. So hopefully this is the last time we have to talk about him. And as far as I'm concerned, then I'm taking him at his word. You're I'm, taking him at his I'm word. I'm taking him at his word. If he says he's retired, then after the Birdo fight, he gets removed from the list. <laughs> hey, you got to take the guy at his word. Hey, yeah. You know? Can't blame you. Can't yeah, blame no, 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 no. He said he's retiring. So, uh, you know. I think that'll be all she wrote for um, for Money Mayweather. So uh, I guess there's only one one left, and I just uh, I'm glad that he has made his way into the U.S. boxing scene, coming in at number one on the BoxingRant.com's pound for pound list, the all around best fighter on the planet, Chocolatito Roman. 
Gonzalez. I mean, for the, what, what speaks to more than anything is I don't think you'll – this guy's a flyweight. For a flyweight to get noticed and, and be recognized as number one pound for pound, at least by us anyways. And I think there's plenty of other people out there that would agree 100%. Absolutely. Uh, well, especially based off of our criteria. Yeah. Uh, th- this guy is uh, – I mean, I, I can't think of one fighter that I remember watching – that completely just dissects an opponent and and is a absolute just uh, he's he's constantly thinking constantly moving constantly using your movement against yourself set, yes you, he makes you set yourself up for a shot it's 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 a thing of beauty to watch him do man he is a power punching aggressive version of Vasily Lomachenko yeah he is you know um, yeah, he's the total package. I mean, would you say that's the difference between Lomachenko being one and him being yeah. three is the power, and, and Gonzalez will finish you a little bit quicker than, than Lomachenko will? Power, excitement, aggression. Yeah. That's what separates him from Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. You know? And Roman Gonzalez is sitting right now at 28 years old. He just turned 28 in June. All right? He's 43-0 and with 37 knockouts. He is going to take a huge dump right on top of Floyd Mayweather's record. Probably by the end of 2016 to halfway through 2017. Yeah. Th- yeah. This guy is unbelievable, man. Um, and he is going to be in the co-feature of Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, as he scores off against David Lemieux. Roman Gonzalez's opponent is not 100% confirmed. But it is rumored that Hawaiian Punch Brian Valoria uh, is one of the front runners. That would be a great action fight for the fans. But either way, we're going to see on display October 17th two of the top four, as rated by the BoxingRant.com's pound for pound list, two of the top four fighters in the world in back to back fights. Now, it goes to show you HBO knows what they're doing by putting these two guys basically as as partners on cards. I don't know how long they're going to do it with Triple G and Gonzalez. It's the they're giving you the exact opposite of what the PBC gives you. They're like, you know what? These idiots want to do that and create their little fantasy land fights. We know what true fight fans want and the fighters that they want to see. And here you go, bam! Here's both of them. Same night, same card. Yeah, dude, it's gonna be um, uh, it's gonna be a memorable night, and I think we're gonna see explosive action fights across the board mm-hmm. from from the Luis Ortiz fight to Chocolatito to Triple G and Lemieux. Um, yeah, man, Chocolatito has a bright future ahead of him. I mean, it's scary to think that he could potentially have sixty or seventy wins by the time he hangs them up, maybe even more, depending on how long his prime goes. Now, there are a lot of tough, athletic, fast-fisted fighters in and around that division, and there are some out there you know, that believe um, Juan Francisco Estrada could solve the riddle of Chocolatito. But in the, you know, even in their first matchup, when they squared off for the WBA um, light flyweight championship, I mean, it was a pretty decisive victory. It was a fun fight but a decisive victory for Chocolatito. Yeah, and he's so good that you you kind of look to, well, who's giving him the toughest fight? Um, and that's that's where you have to go, you know. That there's there's nothing there's no other fighter that really has given him any the slightest bit of any problem in the ring. What do you think about the prospects of him uh squaring off against Inoue? 
that's the thing I worry about with him is, you know, he's going to run. He's already almost run through the 112 pound division. Uh, he's going to have to move up and wait probably to get fights. I wonder uh, that the prospect of that fight is unbelievable. I mean, you're, yeah. you're talking about a complete nonstop brawl. I, I worry about him moving up and wait to, to try and get these fights and then finally getting caught by somebody that punches a little harder than he's used to getting hit. Yeah. I mean, in, in a way is an explosive fighter. Yeah. Um, aggressive. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and let's be honest, man. Chocolatito is tiny. Yeah. And he's five foot three. Yeah. He's, he's big for, or small for a flyweight right now. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm sure he'll go. I'm sure that's where it's headed though. Well, he's going to have to do something. I mean, this guy obviously dares to be great. He's, mm-hmm. um, you know, he puts it all on the line and he fights in an exciting style for the fans. And, you know, he's the very argument as to why, the little guys need more coverage. And if that means sticking them on co-features mm-hmm. of major fight cards like Golovkin versus Lemieux, then I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it. I know a lot of the little guys are based overseas. I know Tykin Promotions has a stranglehold over there. Um, you know, and, and even the best fighters from Mexico and Central America um, tend to gravitate over there because that's where the best competition is. Right. Um, you know, you got the Filipino fighters, a lot of good Thai fighters. Um, you know, and then of course the Japanese fighters, the Japanese, uh, fighters, they, you know, they're pretty much got those small divisions on lock. Yeah. What do you think about a step up in weight? And I think it's possible because the dude looks anorexic and frail in almost every fight I see him in. What about a potential matchup between Hecky Budler and Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez? Now, Hecky Budler has already fought on the undercard of a triple G fight, right? He was on the undercard of Golovkin versus Murray. Mm-hmm. What do you think about a fight between Hecky Butler and Chocolatito? I mean, that's a fun fight. That, that'd be a, a hell of a fight to watch. I think uh, Hecky Butler kind of brings a, a, it's kind of an offbeat style. It's kind of something that you're not going to figure out until you get in the ring with him. It's very, it's a unique style. Uh, he fights with his own tempo and timing. Yeah. Right? Like his rhythm is off. Of his opponent's rhythm. Yes. But he is a very rhythmic fighter. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's it's strange to watch, but it works. Yeah. And oh man, that would be one hell of a fight. I I think it'd be I, fun. Yeah, it would it would be. I I would tend to lead towards Gonzalez, but yeah, Hecky Butler could definitely give him a fight for sure. Yeah, you know, and, and Butler's actually a fighter that you know, he's he's in my top twenty. I was you know, I was laying out the best twenty fighters in the world and pound for pound, um, you gotta put Butler right up there with the best in the world. I mean, you know, look, he's he's five foot three. He has almost and uh, you know, he's got a one inch reach advantage on Chocolatito. This is a fight that I'm calling for. So Tom Loeffler, if you are listening to this show, make it happen. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that that makes it even even better that Loeffler's in control there. Uh man Ken. Yeah. I I would love to see that fight. Now that you've mentioned it, I didn't think about it. That's a a very strong possibility of that fight happening. Yeah, because, you know, there are some action-packed, heavy-handed fighters in Chocolatito's realm right now that would give us fun, action-packed fighters. Yeah. But I don't think that there's anybody, you know, people could argue that Estrada uh, is, but I don't think there's anybody as crafted, crafty, or as slick a boxer in um, the flyweight division as Butler. You know, yeah, I'm right with you. I mean, the range of Butler, even though it's only a one inch reach advantage, the way he fights, he kind of he makes himself a rangy fighter, and and that's kind of a 
completely opposite of what Gonzalez does in the ring, man, that would be one hell of a matchup, dude. Yeah. One hell of a matchup. Well, dude, if there's if there's anything that we have, it's time. Yeah. Because both fighters are very young, and we are just now scratching the surface of this Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez to all of our listeners out there. We have a lot of listeners over in the U.K., um, and you know, uh, and throughout the world for that for that matter, if you guys haven't seen the film on Chocolatito, please, please do yourself a favor and spend some time on YouTube. And actually, I think is it John Lee Wiley from Fight City? Yeah. Um, is it Fight City? I, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, he has a video where he breaks down Chocolatito um, from a technical perspective, and it is just a great instructional video for the novice boxing fan to really understand what it is that makes Gonzalez so great from a technical aspect and a technical perspective, because he's so quick. He's, he's so compact and fast and flashy that sometimes he moves so quick in and out and he swarms his opponent so much that you really lose sight of what's going on from the waist down because his footwork is I think it's safe to say it may be the best in the world. Oh, yeah. It, it's the best in the business, definitely. I, I don't question that for a second. Yeah. Um, well, man, Managua, Nicaragua. Alexis Arguello is his is his um, his mentor. Um, and I tell you what, Nicaragua has produced uh, <laughs> some once-in-a-lifetime generational talent, haven't they not? Yeah, and, th- and this guy might be the best ever when it's all said and done yeah we will have to uh wait and see but um roman chocolatito gonzalez comes in at number one pound for pound fighter in the game today the boxing rant.com's number one fighter in the world roman chocolatito gonzalez all right man so that'll do it for the top 10 pound for pound fighters in the world you happy with the list i'm happy with the list i will guarantee you that the one complaint that people will have about this list is they're gonna say where's rigo <laughs> where's andre ward yeah ah well i mean well here's the thing here's my response to that i don't know where is he yeah he's fought once in the last two years yeah where where is rigo you know you gotta fight to be on the list yeah. for, for one um you know i i don't really care you know you got to fight yeah. and you have to be not just a, not just a technical fighter like Rigo. I, you know, I personally, Rigo was once on this list and just to sheer inactivity, same with Andre Ward. They just, they just disappear. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Mikey Garcia should be on this list. Yeah. And he's not, he was originally first list. Wasn't he in 10? I think Garcia was. Garcia was. Yeah. The, yeah. The very first list. Um, and guess what, man? What have you done for me lately? Maybe one day if Andre Ward ever swallows his pride and swallows his ego and gets in the ring, you know? You want back on the list? Fight Kovalev. Yeah. Get back. Yeah. If he fights Kovalev and shows well against Kovalev, then there's no doubt. But right. you take off that time. You haven't had a meaningful fight since 2011. Nor has Rigo. Or, and Rigo's kind of, uh, he's got a, you know, it's not, a, I want to say boring. Well, what was the Donaire fight? It was that 2012? 2013 it might have been 2013 but still that that's a long that's that seems like forever ago at this point doesn't it yeah yeah there are some in the i don't know in the boxing universe that you know as is with a lot of sports fans in general they get hung up on on certain 
details and they, they kind of center that around, um, you know, their arguments as to, you know, why this and why that. There is this urban legend is what I call it as to why Guillermo Rigondeaux was blackballed by top rank and it was because he embarrassed Nonito Donaire. I don't believe that for one second. No. I think he was blackballed for two reasons. One, because he's a boring fighter, and two, because he's a fucking prick. Yep. I don't think anybody that he's involved with personally outside of the sport, it just doesn't seem like anybody's got anything good to say about the guy, man. No. No, he treats fans like shit. Um, you know, he laughs at little kids when they try to come and get his art, uh, his autographed. You know, he's a bitter, aging fighter. Um, he's full of himself too, boy. Yeah, he is. I mean, he, uh, every time you see Cuban him take a picture, are. what's he what's he do? He pulls his shirt up and shows you his abs. It's like <laughs> his signature. It's like, all right, dude, we get it. Yeah, you got a six pack. Big fucking deal. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's about as big as one of my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd pick him up and just put him in my pocket. Come on, Rigo. Little pocket Rigo. <laughs> Little pocket Rigo. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, maybe one day. I don't know. He's getting older. So right. I, I don't see a re-entry onto the list. Are there, are there any fighters that are right there on the edge for you that are close? Hmm. I, I mean, I would put Rigo there just, to, you know, if he gets a big win and shows us and beats a couple of the you know, best 122, 126-pounders in the world. Yeah, I'd be willing to put him on the list. Um, I would was gonna say that you know Frampton's creeping towards the list. Uh, I'm probably somewhere in the 14 to 15 range right now. Uh, I think I, I think what we got in the 10 pretty nails it down pretty well. I mean, it covers everything. Yeah, I mean, I guess you you can make an argument for Timothy Bradley. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's right there. I know he's a lot. He's on a lot of people's lists. Frampton. Um, I mean, we're talking about just like skill and talent, you know, um, obviously we've already touched on, on Rigo, you know, but outside of that, there really aren't many of, uh, you know, there just aren't very many. No, there's not, not, not right now. I mean, there's a gigantic cluster of really good fighters. Yes. Um, but none that even can really sniff that list. So, uh, yeah. So there you have it. So the final countdown of the pound for pound, Top 10 here on the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast and theboxingrant.com. And number 10, Terrence Bud Crawford. Number 9, Miguel Cotto. Number 8, Canelo Alvarez. 7, Manny Pacquiao. Number 6, The Crusher, Sergey Kovalev. Number 5, Dr. Steelhammer, Vladimir Klitschko. Number 4, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. Number 3, Vasily Lomachenko. Number 2, Floyd, Money, Mayweather, and the number one ranked fighter on the list, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. So, my friend, I guess that will do it for episode 66, Pound for Pound Countdown. Um, we got some, uh, some news and notes here to go over with some of these fights. And um, you know what, Vin? I think maybe we should just save it for the next episode. Let's do it. And so we leave you with episode 66, the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world here on TheBoxingRant.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher. Subscribe to the pound-for-pound king. 
of Boxing Podcast, The Tale of the Tape. For my co-host, Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter, at VinceCummings81, I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Kenny Keith Jr. We'll be back in a couple days with episode 67 as we preview the top 10 prospects in the fight game. The future is looking bright, and Vin and I will have the countdown in full effect coming up this Wednesday with episode 67. But we'd like to send a special shout-out to all our loyal listeners for tuning in once again to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody. <laughs>